Welcome to the latest Nicholas City Soundtrack Podcast. In this episode, we interviewed Kevin Egan of the New York hardcore band Beyond. So this is a Buffalo-centric uh, hardcore podcast, right? And we interview Buffalo bands and figures, right? Well, we made an exception for Kevin because he's doing a special screening of his documentary, What Awaits Us, at the North Park Theater on Sunday, February 6, 2022 at 7 p.m. We talked to Kevin about what prompted him to make a documentary about his band, and we got some cool post beyond buffalo stories from him it was a cool it was fun and i think anyone who cares about the hardcore scene should definitely check it out i believe there will also be a q a after the screening as well during the interview we learned that buffalo native jacob kazurski color directed the film so there's a real buffalo connection there enjoy the interview and we hope that if you listen to this before february 6 2022 that you go check out the screening at the north park see you on the next one This is Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. Uh, everyone introduce yourselves. I'm Mark. My name's Alex. I'm Derek. And our guest is... My, my name's Kevin. And Kevin is in a... Or, is Beyond still like technically a thing? Technically, you know, I mean, before up until the pandemic, we were still playing a few shows a year. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not in, in any rush to be playing shows right now until just the whole thing is resolved, like whole. Yeah, have virus, you? The sorry, behind everybody. Yeah. Until you feel like you're not uh, organizing a super spreader event. Yes, exactly. <laughs> have you been to any shows during COVID times? Have I been, uh, trying to think, I haven't, no, I haven't, I don't think, I don't think I have, I mean, to be honest with you, this last, last couple of years, it's, it's so hard to, uh, uh, just get everything organized, like my memories, because it's just been like a dream, almost, you know? Yeah, seriously. Um, but no, I don't think I've, I, I don't think I've been to a show, no. Okay, so normally we have buffalo bands and we do buffalo a buffalo centric podcast and uh today we're interviewing kevin egan because his band beyond which is not from buffalo but from new york officially beyond new york yeah yeah well, so, well long long island. Island. If, yeah if i was gonna say anything you know we, we always uh there's one of our songs that we always before we play it it's kind of one of the things that i always say before it is that you know we're beyond and we're from Long Island, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, but you get a pass because you accidentally lived in Buffalo for like five days in 1990, right? That's true. That's true. I, yeah, <laughs> but I did get a good sense of Buffalo from from those five days for sure. Awesome. And so, he, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you uh, you crashed with a couple of friends of the pod as well, did you not? Brian Foister, we 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 crashed with, and the. Um, I forget his name, the singer for Zero Tolerance. Mark Belanco. Yeah, Mark. Yes. Yeah, Mark. Yeah. So we remain Buffalo centric. You're good. Awesome. Well, the reason why it's Buffalo centric is because Beyond, there's a Beyond documentary called What Awaits Us. And it's screening in Buffalo on February 6th, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about um, the documentary and uh, all that good stuff. So the question I have is um, 
why why did you decide to do a beyond documentary it was it came it, it grew out of uh we were we were invited to play the rev fest in 2017 and uh i had oh at that at that point they were gonna they were gonna buy me um a plane ticket to fly out there to california for the festival and just earlier that afternoon i was reading uh, about train trips from new york to california and how affordable they were they were only like 250 dollars, like the price of a plane ticket i could get a train ticket and i always wanted to do that like i i always loved that movie uh silver streak with richard Pryor and gene wilder and i just always kind of wanted to take like a cross-country trip uh from you know new york to california on a train i've, dr I've driven back and forth to california like maybe like 20 25 times so like i you know at that point i just wanted to try something new and uh and they were like yeah we'll buy you the we'll buy instead of buying the plane ticket we'll buy you a train ticket so i did that and my friend jason who was like kind of the fifth member of beyond like he was always with us he was always at our rehearsals hanging out he was always on our trips with us he's still a very good friend of mine and he suggest he gave me his camera his dslr camera and um just was like, you know, just film the trip. You should just film the trip. When you get out there, maybe even like interview, shoot the guys in the band and then maybe interview, interview people and just kind of maybe, it was supposed to maybe be like a 20 minute thing. But I, so I did that. I filmed the trip, I interviewed people and then I was interviewing like, you know, Walter Schreifel and uh, John Purcelli from Today. And I got home and everything looked great. And I was like, I think this can be something bigger the only thing the only thing the only problem with that was walter's audio was was kind of fucked up so i walter and i were both living in brooklyn at the time so i asked walter if we could redo the interview in new york and we did and his interview was a lot longer than initially initially it was like maybe 15 minutes and this time it was like 45 minutes so then i knew i just had all this content and then i hadn't been in touch with alan in a long time so he kind of put me in touch with Alan and then it just sort of like snowballing and just every, every pieces were just kind of like falling like into place. And then with the pandemic, you know, I think by the pandemic, I already had like maybe 80% of like the structure of the story, like, like, and someone else was supposed to edit it. We were supposed, uh, I was supposed to pass it on to someone else, but then he, uh, at that time, the person who was supposed to edit it, he was, New York, the virus hit New York. So he flew to Florida to get away from the virus, ironically enough. <laughs> so, so then I was sort of left to edit it by myself and I never edited a film, but I, I'd certainly it'd already been at that point, two years I'd been, or maybe two and a half years, I'd been playing around with all this footage and sort of structuring and, and cutting everything myself anyway. And he was just supposed to tidy everything up. So then I just, uh, I decided, all right, I'm going to do this. And then, so from, so when the virus hit in March of 2020, it hit New York City, um, I started, I, I got, actually got sick right away and I was out, I was out of commission for like five weeks. But then after that, after I recovered, so April, from like April to December of 2020, I, it was like 12 hour days, like every day, like every single day. Like there was no, there was no, uh, one day that I took a break and it was, you know, cause I really had, I was, I was locked down. I had nothing to do. You know, uh, my neighbors in Brooklyn weren't wearing masks in the hallway. So I was like having food delivered 
because I wasn't going to, you know, risk getting sick again. And then, uh, so I just locked myself in this, in this, uh, well, for the first half I was in a, uh, in a loft space in Brooklyn and I did that until August. And then August I moved from, uh, I moved to upstate New York where from August to December, it was, it was actually where I'm sitting right now. I just edited, you know, just like I said, like 12 hour days, you know, I would maybe sleep till 10 and work from like 11 to like 11, you know, watch a couple of movies, go to sleep, do, you know, I just did it every single day. And then December, like 11th or something like that, I was, it was done. You know, I was, I would think I was shooting for the beginning of the month and then it was, you know, it took probably two weeks over what I was shooting. But for the most part, you know, I was able to finish it before the end of the year, which was my real, you know, and then I dropped it online pretty soon after that, just to kind of, you know, after working on it, I, I just didn't want to sit on it. You know, it was, it was simple as that. So I did, it was, it was online for a while and I was getting some great responses. And then last summer I, uh, I was, I took it out West. I took it to, um, to Portland, Oregon. From there, I went to Oakland, California, to Los Las Vegas to Los Angeles, um, Orange County, California, and then to Albuquerque, New Mexico. So, and then since then I've been back here and I've screened it in Boston and Philadelphia. So, and so how's, the how's the response been to the screenings? Yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, the, you know, it's the best part about it for me, and it's the same thing with playing music and playing the show like out of town is like a meeting new people and uh, b seeing old friends, you know, who've come to it, who've come to the screenings. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's not very different than, you know, beyond going on the road and, and playing like out of town shows. It's just, I don't, there's no gear. <laughs> <laughs> and for a movie, it's just a matter of hitting a button and, and sitting back, you know, rather than performing. But, uh, but in this, in, as far as like meeting people and catching up with people, it's like pretty much the same exact thing. Very cool. Was this your first experience like editing and everything? Is it but yeah, yeah. I, uh, I edited the trailer, the trailer for the, for the documentary, I edited that and it was two minutes. And my friend who was supposed to edit it, he sort of like coached me. Like it was pretty much how I envisioned it, but there were certain things technically that he helped me with. And just, you know, you might want to cut this a little here and like, you know, gave me some advice. So that was really the first time that I edited anything like, uh, like that. And then, but like, you know, I, I was just, when I, when I wasn't work before the pandemic, I wasn't, when I wasn't working, I was home working on the movie anyway, just, just collecting footage, chopping up footage, putting it in my computer, loading it into uh, Adobe Premiere, and then like doing like a soft edit where thinking that someone else was going to correct it later. Um, but then that, you know, that ended up, ended up to be me, you know, but it was, you know, it was like, it was like film, it was like film school, like just learning, how, like instead of somebody teaching you how to do something to just do it, to just jump in and just do it. And then, you know, you learn by doing it, you make mistakes, whatever, spend a lot of time on the phone, getting advice from people or um, like there was, there were literally days where 
my 12 hours would be consumed with like I'd hit I'd hit like one sna like technical snag in Adobe Premiere and I couldn't get in touch with anyone I knew who knew anything about the software so I would um uh like spend my days just googling the issue and then going through like forums you know finding finding someone sometime sometime had that very problem it's a matter of um like but some days it would take me like 12 hours to find that just just google you know 12 hours of googling stuff and reading you know but all that reading that i did i learned how to i learned how to uh i learned how to uh edit edit the movie so right i mean it's it's all in the spirit of like hardcore and punk rock doing it yourself so exactly yeah. it was total it's total diy i mean even uh you know my friends who haven't seen it yet you know just they're like oh what's it what's it like and i'm like oh, that's pretty diy you know it's like just a guy who was trapped in an apartment just editing you know edited his his story that he wanted to tell so yeah i noticed that you're basically you're just credited as you know writer director editor like there's nobody with anything else yeah uh, <laughs> it's should, funny should like, yourself uh, cinematographer credit too just yeah just because <laughs> I, I actually did show, I did, before before I had like a final cut, I did show it to people to get their opinions about it. And I showed one of those uh, persons was uh, Drew Stone, who did the New York Hardcore documentary. And they, they just like released the book. And he's made other films too. But he gave me like, we did like a Zoom thing. And he gave me like a ton of like advice and like where what he thought needed improvement and this, that. But he was laughing because like the credits, he's like, there, there's like a Looney Tunes episode where like Bugs Bunny's making a movie. And at the beginning it says like, written by Bugs Bunny, produced by Bugs Bunny, directed by Bugs Bunny. Like it was exactly, exactly the same thing. Yeah. So um, how, how did you hook up with like Chris? And like, did he like reach out to you about doing a so, screening here? So, so actually um, there's, uh, I mean, there are, there are Buffalo stories in the movie. Yeah. So there's definitely uh, because when we first, when Beyond first our first major road trip was to but was uh, playing Buffalo with opening up the Project X at the uh, River Pipe Dragon. Pipe Dragon. Dragon. Pipe Dragon. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so that's in the so that's in this in thing. I mean that just I mean we could, I'm happy to talk about that more because it was like very sort of like seminal you know. Is that the Warzone show? stories that was with Warzone, yeah and uh it sort of uh what was interesting about that was that walter strifles uh he played bass in project x but he um he at the at the, when we got there early we set up our, our stuff in the back of the in the back of the club thinking we're gonna sell like beyond t-shirts and he's gonna see, he had he had the new box of uh Gorilla Biscuit seven inches that he wanted to sell. So he was, so we're like, oh, we set our stuff there. And then later somebody came up and said, Warzone is claiming that spot to sell their stuff. So you're gonna have to move your stuff. So I don't know if War, I mean, I knew Walter knew those guys cause Walter played in Warzone at one point. So, uh, so we moved our stuff. And then when I guess Walter, I was sort of like trial by fire or, or sort of, uh, Walter and those guys were like testing us as like the new kids or whatever. So they asked, 
they, he told me as a singer of Beyond, we were the first to play. He was like, we can set our stuff other, somewhere else. But if we tell everybody that we're setting our stuff, we're, we'll be in the back selling our other stuff. Warzone will have no choice but to let us set up our stuff there too. So, and I'm like, you know, rabies at that time was like 20 year old, year old man. And I was like 17 years old and like, you know, like wall, you know, Warzone was like a tough band. And I was like, oh my God, like if I, say, if I do what Walter says, like could, these guys are gonna fucking kill me. But, you know, I just, you know, and it was kind of like in, like in a movie where like, I could see Walter on the side of the stage and I could see like rabies in the background. And I'm like, what do I do? And then, so then I, I did, I was like, we'll be selling it back there. And then rabies was like, he, he came up to the front of the stage and he was, I guess he was gonna tell me that we couldn't, but like then, we jumped into a song real quick. So then like, he's just like, ah, whatever. And, you know, but, uh, but it was kind of, you know, to be like a seven year old kid. And at the end of the night, it was me, Rabies and Purcell, like in this, in the office waiting to get paid. And, um, you know, I'm just like, wow, I'm with like the heavy hitters now, you know, like these, these were like, these were the people like, like that we were like, we loved their bands. And now like I'm sitting in an office waiting to get paid. Um, <laughs> So it was like a pretty, it was a pretty seminal trip for us. But the, re, I, you know, I brought that up, but uh, the real connection the movie has to the, has to the doc, has to Buffalo is that the uh, Jake, Jacob uh, Kedzierski uh, color corrected the movie. And oh, really? Yeah. And he's, That's awesome. and he's in Buffalo. And yeah. so, so when I, for, for the movie, I had a color correctionist, Jacob was in, uh, was in Buffalo. My animator was in Puerto Rico and the audio assistant, the audio engineer was in Germany. So I was literally had like phone calls going like, you know, it was like a global uh, sort of, um, you know, everybody from around the world was like pitching in to make this movie, you know, yeah. to make this, to get this movie finished. But, but Jake is, uh, Jake is a Buffalo guy and he, and he put me in touch with Chris. And um, so it was, it was kind of Jake who spearheaded it, but Chris is, Chris uh, Fritton was. Is yeah, Jake had been talking about having, having the screening here for a while, but a while, like a long time, but I didn't realize that he worked on the movie. He never said that. Yeah, yeah. We, we act, it's funny, like, I mean, we're in the age of like, you know, texting and whatever. So I was just so wrapped up it wrapped up in the movie in like the editing on my computer that I was compute. I, I, I communicated with Jake the entire time through text. I don't even think we even had a phone call that my oh. friend, ben, my friend Benny uh, who works in like film editing and stuff. He he's like, Oh, I know a guy he's into hardcore. He might be into helping you out like with color correcting. So he gave me Jake's number and then I texted him and we just, we, we communicated through text like the entire time. Awesome. So it, and it wasn't, and then when I screened the movie in Brooklyn, Jake came down to the movie and that was the first time I met him in person. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. That's a really cool connection. So where was, where was the last place that you screened it? Was it, was it Boston? Last place I screened it was in Boston. Yeah, that was set up by uh, my friend Dave Sullivan, um, who I just, I didn't even know until like social media. We met through like social media and he was a fan of Beyond. There's actually, mm -hmm. he's, there's a picture of him in the movie. 
because he has a beyond tattoo like on his like above like above his chest like the name of our album mm -hmm. uh, no longer at ease um so he he set that up and uh that was uh that was a fun screening it was in uh, this space called brooklyn uh boston air boston arts sports entertainment it was kind of like a loft space mm -hmm. uh, this guy who's also named was kevin like had this you know he had like events there and like set up like a little bar and everything and it was it was cool i mean sometimes they're like very intimate screenings like that and and they're you know in new york we screened it at nighthawk uh cinema in brooklyn and that was like huge that was like a huge movie theater like a, you know i mean uh the north uh, north park looks like a very big theater from what i understand is that the biggest screen in buffalo excellent choice uh yeah. I might be but yeah um, yeah, it's 50 yards from my front door, so I'm all for where you chose to be. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice, easy commute. Awesome. Cool, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's... Uh, so we did that, and then... Uh, I mean, there's... So, yeah, it's been, it's been like, various sizes. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, small, the small ones are... The intimate ones are great because, you know, everybody's packed in a small room together, and, like, you could really... Like when there's a, I tried to put a lot of jokes in the movie. So like when there's a joke and it, and it lands, like you can really hear the laughter because everybody's, it's such a small room, and it, but it sounds yeah. like a lot of people. It sounds like a big thing. Um, but also just as like somebody who had made a movie, it's really cool to see your movie on a really big screen. Like that's like, whoa, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Like yeah. So do you, I, um, how many times did Beyond play Buffalo? uh twice so it was the the first time that we played buffalo was at they were both both times were at the pipe dragon mm -hmm. first time was with project x um we uh, that was that was the first i tell this story in the movie um that was the that was our first road trip they asked us to open up for them and at the time my parents weren't um I was still 17, so my parents tried to forbid me from going. They're like, you'll, you know, they had no idea what hardcore straight edge was. So they thought that I was like going to be doing drugs and like partying and whatever. So, uh, so I just waited for my mom to go to the night before I waited for my mom to go to sleep. And then I just, I snuck out the window, climbed down the fence. And then Tom and Vic were waiting for me, you know, at the end of the block. And then I hopped and I, and I, and then we stayed at Allen's that night and then we left like early in the morning. Um, and it was how, from Long Island to Buffalo was probably like a nine hour drive, like where we were on Long Island. We were like out east. Way out there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was yeah. like a nine hour drive. Plus I think we had a stop in the city. I forget where we met them, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I tell the, all these, these stories in the city, in the, in the movie. So I wouldn't want to ruin all of them, but yeah. it was, right. uh, um it was definitely like an adventure that i mean the, the uh some of the got the to uh mark mark struble and uh jim from navy jim we called him they roadied for uh project x mm -hmm. and like uh i still communicate with them on facebook and we still make jokes about that trip you know it was like it was definitely you know but after so after that Fast forward, that was in March of 80. That was the best thing about doing this movie too. I was able to um, do like read, like do the timeline of the beyond timeline because, you know, your memories get sort of. Um, it's a little you know, fuzzy after 30 years. It gets really fuzzy. And I mean, now it's like even longer than 30 years, but uh, 
doing doing the movie, I was able. I'm like, I think I finally figured out like the timeline that that the first Buffalo show was in March, mm-hmm. and that it was just us and Project X opening up for Warzone, and then the second time we it was we did a we did a four day trip with it was the first show was just us and Project X and Warzone played again played that show again in Albany. So it was us, Project X, Warzone, and we got there late because we left the city late. We got stuck in traffic, like, and then. Is that the show with Life's Blood? And Life's Blood played that show too. I've seen that flyer. It's like yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. The, the the flyer's been been going around on uh, on social media these last couple of years. Uh, so yeah, Life's Blood, and we got there late, and. Dave Stein didn't want to let us play, but Purcell sort of said, listen, beyond, they're just kids kind of like, you know, and so they let, they let us play. So we, but we played after everybody left. It was like the end of the show. And then everybody from like Gorilla Biscuits met us there and we drove Gorilla Biscuits and everyone from Gorilla Biscuits and Judge. And then, so then we played Buffalo the next day, which was my birthday, May 28th, 1988. And uh, so it was my 18th birthday and it was, uh, and Life's Blood took the trip. So I think Life's Blood opened up that show maybe. And I think it was Life's Blood, um, Beyond, Judge and Gorilla Biscuits. Mm -hmm. And then, so that was at the Pipe Dragon. And then after that, we went to Cleveland and all those bands played in Cleveland. Uh, They made, Project X might have even played that show too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, we played with that band Confront. Like that was like, uh, it was at a pizza shop in, in Cleveland. Yeah. And then the next, and then the fourth day was just, uh, it was Beyond and Youth of Today in Connecticut, which, and then uh, I think that was the first time I ever met Ray uh, from Youth of Today. And the Adolescents played that show too. Cool. It was pretty awesome. Um, yes. Yeah. So yeah, that was so. Uh, those were those were the two times Beyond played, and then and then uh, like we were talking before, uh, I when I was I was roadieing for Quicksand on their first tour, and first stop was Buffalo, you know, and everybody was psyched because every, you know all the times we played Buffalo, there were always great shows. We were to see people we knew or whatever, and then I remember driving on like ninety, and uh, suddenly you know the the speedometer went from like 70 to like 60 to 50 <laughs> what's going on what's going on oil lights flashing like we're like out of oil or something yeah. so i tried to pull over there's like a family giving me a fink give me the finger because we were originally in this like the fast lane and uh so we pulled over the car just died the van just died and then uh i forget walter i think hitched Oh no! So we were waiting for, we were waiting. Uh, the show was gonna was with Shelter and Inside Out, and Shelter was in a bus for that tour. They travel in a bus, so Shelter were probably like an hour behind us. So we waited about an hour, figuring, let's just wait. You know, it's before cell phones. Let's just wait for. There's a big, big bus with Harry Krishna. There's only gonna be one coming up, like. And luckily they were driving in the slow lane and they saw us and they pulled over and then they took Walter to a phone to call, uh, I guess Brian Foister promoted that show 
So the, to call Brian, and then um, and then Brian sent uh, this girl Tracy who picked or or they went on to the show, and then I think all the band members went to uh, to the show, and Derek and I who were roadieing, we got uh, we got to assign the task to stay behind and wait for the cart the band get towed to a mechanic. So we did that. Um, Derek from uh, Derek Green is the singer for Sepultura mm-hmm. now. Um, but uh, we did that and we got to the show, which was at the, um, I forget the. Uh, it was River Rock. The River Rock. Yeah. And, but we missed, I think maybe we saw like Shelter. We missed Quicksand. I think we missed Inside Out. Um, and then we stayed, we stayed the night. And then the next day, uh, they figured um, they called somebody in Cleveland to come with their van to drive them for the rest of this. Uh, they had a van. They had a van come and uh, and pick them up. And Derek and I were again assigned the task to wait for the van, which took about. We had apparently seized the engine, so <laughs> Jordan Cooper from Revelation had. Uh, wired Walter some money to pay for the van. So they left me like, however much that costs, like back, even back then it was like a thousand, at least a thousand dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, so we just, we just stayed with Brian and Mark from zero tolerance and just kind of hung out in, uh, in Buffalo for like five days. Nice. Did you ever get back to the tour? And so we did. So once the van got fixed, yeah, they were, they were, we were, they were going to, their Cleveland show was scheduled the day the van got fixed. So Cleveland, that, was, that wasn't that far of a drive. So we drove from Buffalo to Cleveland. And we, I think we got there a day early. So mm-hmm. then we stayed with Derek's family for a day. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then we met up with them. And then it was the, so it was the Cleveland show. And then there was, I think there was a, there was a, um, there was a Pennsylvania show, like Bethlehem or one of those, I think mm-hmm. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And then, and then, tr- city gardens in new jersey like a, it was like a city garden show mm-hmm. so we caught like three of the shows from that tour and we Fair missed enough. at least like six of six of the shows so going back to that first pipe dragon show you said you left in the middle of the night so what did your mom say when you got back oh my pa- yeah they were pissed i mean <laughs> you know my mom can get like hysterical about a lot of things so yeah. I called her from Buffalo just to let her know that I was okay. And, and just as I would call her from this payphone, like an ambulance just happened to be passing by. Like, and she's like, what's going on? Like, is there a, you know, like, what are you up to? And so, I mean, and then when I got back, like they, they, uh, cause my dad had bought me like a, like, bought me like a used, uh, like Monte Carlo Cutlass Supreme or something for, it was supposed to be, I was graduating from high school that year. So it was supposed to be like my graduation present. And uh, so they took the car away from me for like a month, which like, uh, I had to open up for Project X. So like, there was, there was no, it was not going to go on that trip. You know? Yeah. Worth the price paid, I think. Totally. I think. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> So I guess I was just thinking like, you know, like today, I've never had a situation like that, like growing up, but like, I figure like today, like you would leave like 
like you know leave your parents and they would probably be texting the hell out of you or calling you because of cell phones but back then it was like you're just gone like they yeah, can't I mean, contact they you knew, which... they, they knew where i was going yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they expected to me to be they didn't expect me to be bold enough to to climb out of the uh yeah the window and and when you showed up at home, not strung out on heroin, did they kind of cut loose a little bit? Move well, forward? Yeah, I guess. I, I, guess. Uh, I mean, I was the thing was, is I was a straight A student pretty much in high school. So, like, yeah. I was cut a lot of slack because of that. Um, so, you know, it was a, if I remember correctly, it was it was like a big deal for like a day. And then, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Awesome. <laughs> But it was, it was, I mean, it, I tell this, this, I tell that story in the movie, but I use visuals, which is, you know, pretty interesting. So, uh, so you said there's an animator. Is there animation in the movie? There's some animation in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Very um, cool. I wouldn't want to ruin it, but uh, yeah, let's not do that. There are, <laughs> a couple of, there are a couple of stories uh, that I, that I thought would be great animated uh, just because the stories were very cartoonish in nature. And um, and my friend Dennis Lacido, who's a very good friend of mine from New York, um, he was living in Puerto Rico at the time, and we and I so I called him and we and he volunteered to do the animation, and so it was kind of like working with Jake. I it was I guess with Dennis I was doing phone calls because I mean he's been a friend of mine for like twenty years, and uh, also. Um, he needed like direction. He needed like, so he had just, he wanted to know like where I was in that story and sort of what, and, um, but I was really, I mean, his, the animation that he did, uh, you know, I thought it was like amazing. You know? Awesome. And most, more importantly, like really funny. Like it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Definitely looking forward to that. Um, so when you said you were going cross country, was it to play? Or was it just to go to that fest? Uh, to play. Oh, to, for the Rev Fest. Yeah, yeah. No, to play. To get yeah, to play. Did you um, guys actually play that fest? We did. Okay. We did. Yeah, I think there's footage of it on YouTube. Um, okay. There, uh, we were. It was their thirtieth anniversary, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean that makes sense. It was two. Yeah, so it was their thirtieth anniversary, and Beyond had never played California before. Like we had. I remember when Youth of Today had gone out there and then like Gorilla Biscuits went out there and they would always come back. They'd, they'd talk about like this, those crew of guys out there, the sloth crew guys, like they would always talk about like this, how funny those guys were. And like, and then there was, there were people from California who were coming to hang out in New York, like people like Mike Madrid and, and all those other people. And so we'd meet these people and they'd be like, Beyond's gotta play California, gotta play California. And it was like, it was like on our list of things to do. And then, you know, uh, I mean, beyond, there was never like a, uh, there was never a, a thing, there was never an event that caused us to break up. It was just kind of like Tom and Alan weren't really getting along and just, you know, I was, had college and stuff and it just sort of like fizzled. But, um, so we never got to do California. So I guess when they were looking for, ba- figure out what bands they wanted to, to play out there, um, someone suggested beyond because you know we never a lot of people out there had never seen beyond mm-hmm. but over the years I, I played in california with my other acts and people were like oh we never saw beyond why did you ever come out here mm-hmm. so they asked us and they offered to pay for our plane tickets and i think the hotel's route hotel the hotel too um 
so like I said, I just, you know, I just saw it as an opportunity to, uh, to take the train out there, have like a different experience. Yeah. yeah. And then also like, like I might as well do something creative while I'm, you know, while I'm on my way out there and, and you know. Train. So actually speaking of like revelation and stuff. So, I mean, you figure like with like, kind of like the circles you ran in that maybe revelation would put out your LP. Why didn't revelation put out your LP? There was, there was talk about it, but um, well, initially the album was supposed to be on schism records. Mm -hmm. What schism was, uh, was Alex Brown and from Gorilla Biscuits and, uh, and John Purcelli from youth of today. They were both played in project X and they put out like the project X seven inch on schism. They did the Mm -hmm. judge seven inch on schism. And be and then they did the Wide Awake seven inch and the Beyond LP was supposed to be on Schism, and I and we were you know eventually we recorded it and I think we like at the time Tom was sharing an apartment with Purcell and Alex with both of them so they had the tapes and it was like whatever and then I guess like things just they just had like out and at at that time Alex wasn't in Gorilla Biscuits yet but then he did join Gorilla Biscuits. So then he was like going on the road with them. And then their record label just fizzled. They never did any more releases. So then we were like stuck with these tapes. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked, I think someone at least talked to Jordan at the time, but we had soon, we had broken up soon after that. So, I mean, I mean, if you're a record label, you know, yeah. you don't really want to, you know, invest money in an album for a band that's not going to be able to go on the road and promote that album. So, I mean, it was a smart decision on his end. Mm-hmm. But but we were still tight with Dave Stein from Albany who booked our Albany shows. And we had, after that show with Gorilla, that show with Warzone, we had played other shows in Albany with Dave. And we always stayed with Dave and he was always like a friend. I think Alan was like kept in really tight communication with Dave. So, and Dave had his, his record label that he had done with um, Steve Reddy and so he asked if he could, or he offered to put the record out. So we were like, yeah, like, like, you know, cause we were, we'd still broken up. We were still broken up by then, but he still, he was still willing to do it. Um, so it came out, you know, I mean, that was, that's part of Beyond's story is that the record came out maybe just a little too late, you know, like everything in New York had changed dramatically. There was a, definitely a shift in tone in like the way New York City's hardcore scene was going. Um, it was becoming way more, way more street, like very street, like uh, where people were bringing like chains into the pit, like at CBGBs. And like, mm. um, I mean, even people, I, I don't know if I ever saw it, but I definitely heard stories about people bringing hammers into the pit and like. I've heard a machete story. Yeah, maybe maybe i mean uh, i mean there were there were there were some stories that you would overhear people tell i was in third grade i wasn't there but you know. <laughs> but uh but yeah it was so like when the gorilla biscuits record came out and the youth of today records and like the judge like we ours had come out like just a little bit past that and then like <laughs> And then quicksand happened and that sort of like changed everything. Like, like it was sort of like this new sound and um, enough people got to hear, enough people got to hear it. And then after that, and then in the nineties, a few years later, Walter released it. Walter and uh, Sammy Siegler had their, and Matt Pickus had their record label 
called that they called some records that they named after the record store that used to be downtown, and yeah. uh, and they re- they released the Beyond record again, you know. So it's 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 been in and out of circulation over the years, and now Revelation just last year like repressed it again, the same time around my like I think it was probably about a year ago now. It's like the same time. Or maybe earlier, but same time like my movie came out, so it's still you know it's still out there again. Cool. Nice. When you were uh, saying that part of the reason that Beyond broke up is because Tom and Alan weren't getting along, I'm just thinking to myself like, how, how did Quicksand come out of that? If well, that's the, that's the irony, <laughs> the irony of, of the whole thing is that they weren't getting along. Getting along, but he said like, time. oh, Vic wasn't getting along with somebody, and then he you know moved out to California. Like, all right, that makes sense, but. Vic, Vic moved out to Cal. Vic's parents were moving out to California. Like Vic's parents, Vic moved out of California because his parents, uh, his mom had allergies or something, and she was like Long Island's. That's a big thing on Long Island. It's like people get allergies, and and uh, and she wanted to move to like a, a different uh, sort of atmosphere, environment. So they moved to San Diego, I think, or so- somewhere in Southern California. And so Vic, the plan was for Vic to move out there too. And Vic, uh, so Vic moved out there and then he flew back to New York to record the record with us. And then he flew back to California and that's when he started Inside Out. Um, but, t- but at that time, when, when after the record or after we recorded the record, then we broke up, like Tom and Alan were like looking for new things to do because, you know, they were, they both wanted to be like, pro musicians or mu- or like musicians like playing in bands that are playing all the time and they were looking to like make a life out of it and um and walter too you know he walter and, and not only that like walter one thing that i remember about walter schreifels probably from that time more than anything else is that he used to have an apartment with alan and uh and siv for grilled biscuits and Walt, every, he, they always invited everybody to hang out. We were always allowed to hang out there and we could hang out, sleep on the floor, do whatever. Like it was open door policy. But Walter was always in his room writing music, like always. Like, I mean, even over the years, I've sort of like set that bar for myself. Like, you know, like I should be the guy in the room writing music, you know, like anytime I feel like I'm not being creative enough. Um, so I guess he was he was looking for, you know, people to start a band with, and he was living with that. I think he was living with Alan at the time, and uh, and I, you know, I mean, if if I if I was him and I was looking for a guitar player at that time, I would have reached out to Tom Capone too about playing in a band because, you know, I think Tom's like to this day is still an amazing guitar player. That's kind yeah. of insane how much how much talent was stacked up in your lineup. Yeah, I mean I, that for me, I, for me a lot of it that was just luck. Like to to like I just my parents just happened to move to the right neighborhood. I happened to go to the right high school, and meet like the right people at the right time. Um, there, where where we went to high school, Sachem High School on Long Island, just an insane amount of talent back then. Um, I don't know what it was. Uh, it was just. You know, there was just a lot of music. There was a lot of metal. Like we're all, in, we all started out as metal heads. There was a lot of, ton of metal. Like, you know, everybody was Italian American, like on Long Island. So like, uh, you know, just metal was really big in that, in that world. And, uh, and then Tom was the first to get into hardcore. And then these other guys, and then Vic and I sort of got in together. And, um, 
there was just there was just like so much so much talent out of out of all them and you know and but to, the thing about tom and vic is tom and vic were always very focused like they just didn't there were people uh, that we went to school with who might even had more talent than they did but the so, you know probably the best quality that tom or vic have is that they were both very focused they they knew playing Long Island wouldn't cut it. We didn't want to be one of those bands. We want to play CBGBs. Like that was, we were, we were a hardcore band. We wanted to play CBGBs. Mm -hmm. And so like whatever we had to do to make that happen. We, had, we, would, we released a demo, but we didn't really care about putting it on the record stores of Long Island. Um, we wanted to get it at some records. We wanted to sell it like downtown because that's yeah. where hardcore was happening. And they were just really focused. Like, like Tom, you know, Tom was like, you know, like the general and he just, you know, he had a plan and I, I was just like, I, you know, like I always said that my talent, my great talent was to, to just show up, you know, like, you know, I was, I, I was just, I said yes to everything. Do you want think to you're underselling yourself yeah, a little bit, but that's okay. What's that? I said, I think you're underselling yourself a little bit, but that's oh, okay. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, I can, I can sing hardcore, like, okay. <laughs> but really, but really the best the best thing i ever did as a as a kid was to um is to just agree to everything tom said because i knew that he was focused on the right tasks to to make all that happen and he did and then he did you know and then soon enough we were playing like you know it was and everything happened so quickly like it was literally within months like everything like like within months we were playing cbs uh, right after we dropped the demo at some records, um, uh, John Purcell from Youth of Today wrote us a letter saying how much he loved the demo. And he was like, wanted us to open up for his bands. We were like, what? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then like, so then we dropped the demo. We dropped, the, we recorded the demo in January of 1988. And by March of 1988, we were going on the road with Project X. And wow. For them. So it was like it was literally that quick and like the the problem with that like as an adult is like later on in life i would do other bands other creative projects just assuming like okay you just do this your creative project and you just put it out there and somebody's gonna be like okay and then it's gonna take you to the next level but like no that that only happened with beyond pretty much you know? <laughs> I, mean, I mean maybe with 1.6 band like my the band i did afterwards but to like a lesser extent like we we our our first show with 1.6 band was in Schenectady, New York, and we ended up opening up for Rorschach and Born Against, and wow. like those guys and those guys yeah. became really good friends. And then Charles from Rorschach ended up putting out our records and, and all our seven inches and stuff. So it was you know it was kind of the same thing, but I mean the but the but the what's crazy about what happened with Beyond is like I was still 17 years old, and like I was op my band was opening up for my the people in my favorite bands, you know. Yeah. So, right. So one, one question about the about the demo though, um, how did you end up hooking up with a German label to do a foreign release of the demo? Um, I don't think we did. I don't think we ever did. There's a version of the demo that came out on some German label called Human Garbage. Okay, I, I, think, mm. I think maybe someone else. I, I, got, I have to make a note of that. I, I was so curious about that. And that's a that's a bootleg. bootleg. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, it's it's. Uh, I mean, from what I understand, it's contemporaneous. But yeah, it makes sense if one just made its way over there and got bootlegged. Well, we, well, we did a. 
we did a the 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 demo is now released on vinyl through Revelation. Revelation, sure. like in 2015, I think that it was the first press time they pressed the. We did the de- We did. We have the demo on one side, and then our WNYU radio performance on the sec on side two, and uh, that I think they just has has been re released uh, repressed too. So that's available through um, that's available through Revelation, but I didn't yeah. know Human Garbage. I, I I had no idea about that, um, but I'm certainly going to look into it. <laughs> um, so, so here's a question. So. In making the documentary, um, like, were there people that like you hadn't talked to in forever that you talked to because you made the documentary? Um, yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, you know, with social media, suddenly you're like attached to you. You're suddenly connected to all these people you haven't seen or heard from in like a long time, and that's especially true in the hardcore scene. Like, like the presence, the the presence of hardcore and social media is is crazy and you know it's half the reason why beyond started playing again because suddenly i feel like there's at least in new york there's like this resurgence of like a scene in new york and uh you know we were we've been lucky enough to play shows like true stone does shows like downtown and we played shows for him Mm -hmm. um but uh so that you know so yeah i mean with the documentary it, you know, it's it's the same thing, but yeah, I mean, I guess there have been people in per in, who've come to screenings in person that uh, that I haven't seen in like long. I mean, the 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 craziest thing about screening my movie in L.A. was uh, I screened screened it at this movie theater called Brain Dead, um, and the everyone who came to the theater were were former New Yorkers. Like every single person was there, and then I was like. You know, like there, there. I I moved back and forth to the city so many times over the years, and the last time I moved back to the city was in 2013. And but that when I moved back, I was like, it seemed just like everybody was gone. Like I just, I, not a lot of people that I knew were still around. And and then I realized that that screening, I'm like, everybody went to L.A. Like they were all. <laughs> it was like all. Like, this is like this is where you all you guys all you guys have been over the, <laughs> these last ten years or whatever. So, nice. uh, so that was, that was awesome. Just, so yeah, of course, like, um, you know, I mean, like I said, like this, this, what's special about screening the movie is just like playing in a band, going on the road, like just meeting new people, but also seeing old faces again that you haven't seen in like a really long time. Cool. Was there, uh, anyone that you wanted to interview that you didn't get a chance to for? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had actually planned another trip out to LA um, and I was going to try to interview Derek um, from Sepultura, who's, who uh, was on that quicksand tour. Derek played in band Outface that Beyond yes. played with in Cleveland. Uh, so he was, you know, he was uh, part of our story in that sense. And there were, there were other people out there, out in California I wanted to interview. And also we had, after Vic left for California, um, our friend Eddie stepped in on bass, Ed Siapa, and I wanted to get him to be in the movie, but then the pandemic hit and I was just like, okay, this is the, whatever I have, that's the movie. I'm just going to yeah. work with this, you know? So, you know, uh, there, there are, you know, I do wish that I got to sort of 
have a more complete, you know, but the story, but the, you know, what I have, it's still the, the official beyond story, you know, and yeah, it all, it all checks out, but it, it would have been nice to at least include Eddie for sure. Yeah. Um, are there any beyond shows like in the works or anything, or may there be any reunion shows? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, one day, you know, I'm not in any rush because of the virus. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I do, I mean, I do my, I do other music now, right now. I'm just, I've just been writing music by myself since, since the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, I certainly have enough material now because it's been almost two years. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but I, you know, I, you know, when I do play with Beyond, it's always kind of feels like family just because everyone, like, I mean, when we play in New York, it's usually, uh, so Alan doesn't play with us anymore, but it's me, Tom, and our friend Larry, who Larry was a part of our uh, crew back in the old days. Like he was always going on the road trips with us. He would always get out of rehearsal and watch Alan play. He, Larry was just learning to play drums at the time, but he would like obsess about Alan's playing and just sit there and watch him play. So now fast forward like 30 years and Larry is this amazing drummer and he's like toured the world with bands and um so then when we needed the drummer like they're like I, I still wanted it to feel like it was like a family thing so, mm -hmm. so we asked larry to, so it's larry and then our friend manny was playing bass with us but sometimes vic plays vic some there are, have been times when vic has flown in from japan he lives in japan now so there have been times when vic has flown in mm -hmm. to play with us um but it's always you know it's always the same jokes that we told when we were kids you know, and that's kind of what I love about Beyond is just like those jokes and like we kind of have this like shared like secret language that we talk that like probably a lot of people wouldn't understand what we were talking about. Yeah. And we kind of, like and it's like something we developed when we were teenagers. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I would I would love to do it and I would love to do events connected to the movie, you know, like shows that were, you know, connected to the movie. That's yeah. what I was originally hoping for, but then I wasn't planning, you know. But at the same time, like, I'm just, you know, I'm, uh, I'm happy to be screening my movie. And I actually, I work in a movie theater. So, uh, like, I, I manage a movie theater in, in up, a different part of upstate New York, like near the Massachusetts border. Mm -hmm. And um, so I am, I am in public all the time and I'm vaccinated and boosted. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm, I, I, I do want to play shows, but I want to proceed with caution too, you know, just, uh, just for my own sake and help definitely the safety of others too so yeah so have you guys got anything else derek um, and alex uh I, I don't know if you want to plug your current music pro projects or anything like that kevin yeah sure i mean if uh i mean i, I kind of do like a lo-fi thing that uh actually right here like next to me i have a like, a, like an old, it's an old dictation microphone from the sixties that I plug into an old, uh, like a uh, Fostex four track cassette recorder. And I do these like lo-fi recordings, you know, and I, so those are, those are posted online. Those are on, it's, it, it's, uh, the name of the project is called Hacksaw Mulligan and it's, uh, it's on Bandcamp. Cool. So if you do like Hacksaw Mulligan Bandcamp, uh, it could, should come up. Um, I did play, I, before the pandemic, I was playing in a band called uh, The Nefarious Pow with uh, the guitar player, this guitar player, um, Anthony Rizzo, who played in a band called Garden, Garden Variety. 
in like the 90s that were really great bands. I thought they were one of the best Long Island bands ever. I was a big fan of that band, just saying. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So great. A, yeah, and he's such an amazing guitar player. And I was, yeah. and the pandemic kind of like put the kibosh on that band. Like I, mm. because we, we were we were just about to start we were just starting to play like live shows mm -hmm. and then um and then the pandemic hit and I, and then his wife got sick and then i got sick mm -hmm. and then um and then you know we talked about continuing and then i moved upstate so i'm a couple of hours north of the city now mm -hmm. and so uh i mean i would love for it to still continue you know but i mean who know, you know who knows i mean so right now I'm just writing music like at home just to keep cool. in mind. Yeah. And um, if, if people are unable to catch the screening for whatever reason, yeah. uh, how can they check out the doc? Uh, so it's not, it's, it's not available online right now. I, I wanted to take it offline just because we're preparing for a DVD release. Like I know not a lot of people have DVD players anymore, so it's going to be a limited release, but it's also going to have, we're going to, we're going to pair, pair it up with a release of like early versions of beyond songs. Like we did a performance on WFMU that we didn't, that hasn't never been released. And that has like a few early versions of beyond songs that never like made it either to the album. They became other songs, mm -hmm. so like, but there's, they, there's, they sound really great on this recording. So we're gonna do like a flexi of like five, so four, I think maybe four songs of that. And that's gonna be paired with that. Um, we might, we might do uh, like a, like Vic had his, had his skate fanzine called Shred. We might do like a, like a little fanzine, like with some of the old like skate stuff that Vic used to do. Um, but we'll probably, we're at least, we'll at least package it with like the flexi and t-shirt, like for sure. Just do like a limited run of that. And then eventually it'll be on, it'll be online again. You know? Awesome. But, uh, but for now, we just, we just want to prepare for the DVD. So. Uh, Drew Stone seems to have a pretty good, pretty good grasp on how to get his stuff on like all sorts of, uh, all sorts platform. of streaming platforms. He does for sure. Yeah. Getting it on like iTunes and Vudu and all that stuff as well. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to look into that, like trying to get it on the, the streaming platforms. Um, the, so it's this is gonna the DVD is gonna be released with um, sort of like a joint venture between me and um, Jeremy Weiss from uh, CI Records. Mm -hmm. So okay. in, uh, he's in Pennsylvania, and Jeremy he's he actually produced another movie for one of his bands, and I think they he's he's gotten them on like streaming platforms. So we're awesome. Gonna, we're gonna shoot for that too. Very cool. Well, thank you for coming on to the podcast and. Uh, I look forward to meeting you in a couple of weeks or yeah. 10 days or something. For sure, for sure. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to go to Buffalo. Like I said, we, ha we have a lot of history beyond the band. We have a lot of history with that city and, um, and it would be nice. It, you know, it's because of that, you know, it's, it's kind of special that it's actually going to, the movie's actually going to screen in Buffalo. So I'm, awesome. I'm really excited. Yeah. Excellent. Yep. It's been great right. talking to you. Thank you very much for yeah. taking the yeah, time. Thanks for your time. Nice to meet you guys. Okay. All right. Nice to meet you. All right. We'll see you.